0: Hi, my name is Jackie Goddard and this is Power to Speak, the podcast, where I talk to a mix of creatives, thought leaders, authors, in fact, anyone with an interesting and inspiring story to tell. How did they get here? What have they learned and how can their journey help us mere mortals? In this episode, I talk to Georgina Ash. She's a video producer working with small businesses and founder of Grub Productions enjoy Uh, so welcome to the power to speak podcast georgina ash it's lovely to have you here georgina you are a, a, a videographer um so video producer working with small businesses founder of grub productions so tell us a little bit about grub productions before we before we kick off with the other questions Um, Well thank you for having
1: me Jackie it's really lovely to be here. Um, I set up Grub Productions a few years ago when I relocated from London to Dorset and thought I'd branch out on my own and as you said you know keen to work with small businesses and small charities. I come from the charity background so I'm always very keen uh, to help out that not-for-profit sector and I suppose it's my comfort zone. Um, So yes I set up uh, Grub Productions uh, slightly as a means to an end but also just to have the flexibility and embrace a different uh, pace of life after having done the kind of London thing for for 10 years.
0: Yeah and so where are you living now then because you've moved out of London haven't you you're you're in the countryside.
1: In Yeah gone a bit more rural so down in Purbeck in Dorset if anyone's familiar with that part of Dorset so near you know between Swanage and Corfe Castle so very pretty a lovely mix of green fields and yet
0: surrounded by sea. So it's Panther. brilliant beautiful but that's that's kind of what you're used to isn't it because you 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 come from a foreign land you come from from across the sea
1: just, yeah just the channel so yeah i'm i'm originally from guernsey in the channel Islands. so yeah you're right i do like being near and surrounded by the sea it does feel very familiar to me and i like to be within reaching distance of the sea so i've i, I would happily have ended up living in guernsey but as it turns out i i married a stonemason um, uh, and here on the Jurassic Coast is is a very lovely place to be.
0: Yes. And it's perfect for stone. I mean, obviously, it's it's world renowned for its stone there, isn't it?
1: Yes. Yeah. Fam- I mean, I, I have to say, I don't know nearly as much about it as I should now after several years of marriage. But um, yes, all the kind of Jurassic limestone, the perfect limestone is very famous. It's full of fossilised shells and things. Um, there's lots of different kind of beds and in fact grub is named after a bed of purbeck stone Uh, so it's a particular layer I don't know where how deep or anything uh, but it's a particular layer that has a kind of fossilized blue shells so I did
0: name it after after this part of the world. Beautiful beautiful so tell us a little bit about your your journey then from Guernsey to here, how did, how did that sort of transpire? Because you're talking about fossils and, you know, all things natural, you have sort of a bit of a scientific background background as well, don't you? So how you ended up in videography and uh, producing videos, how, how did that come about? Tell us a little bit about the journey.
1: Yeah. Well, stop me if I waffle on for too long. I suppose it's one of those things that's sort of completely planned and also slightly accidental at the same time, if, if that's of, of any comfort to anyone out there. I didn't really have a plan. And um, I, I often just sort of bounce along from one thing to the next. And if something sounded interesting, I'd, I'd go for that. So I, I studied anthropology as an undergrad because it sounded quite varied, the study of man, it, and I had, you know, the bits of primatology, bits of uh, archaeology, bits of kind of cultural and art studies. So I, I liked that, that there was a bit of everything. But I actually sort of fell in love with primatology quite a bit, ended up interning, ended up um, interning at the Natural History Museum in the paleontology department, uh, and I sort of was a bit of a wannabe scientist. And I ended up doing a master's in primate conservation. So I was particularly interested in wildlife, in primatology, um, in habitat and, and things like that. Um, and I discovered really what I suspected all along is that I'm a terrible scientist. and I'm much better suited to, to science communication. And I suppose at the same time, I'd always had this interest in photography and wildlife documentaries, you know, BBC, David Attenborough, all that stuff. So it all sort of finally came together that I ended up working for an animal charity in the communications department, working in film and photography, but for a very kind of important cause, uh, which was animal welfare. Yeah. So yeah, finally, after sort of you know, there was no really clear path to me. It just there was a lot of wiggling and a, and a lot of sort of blindly going out there, thinking, "Am I even going in the right direction?"
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's the, the case for lots of people. I certainly, you know, my career has been sort of jungle gym rather than career ladder. It's kind yeah. of gone all over the place, to, to, you know, for me to get here now. So, when you say animal communication or primate communication, what do you mean? Is that is that the kind of the the, the fil- filming and promotional side of it? Is that is that what you mean? Yes.
1: Yeah, so, sorry, science communication. So, so I'm not really the scientist that's very good at. Um, You know, doing sort of research methods and statistical analysis. In fact, I'm terrible at it, but I might be really good at explaining why that stuff's really important. So I didn't work in the science team. I worked in the communications team and exactly that. We took care of all the publications, all the kind of leaflets, all the posters, all the kind of paraphernalia that that came out from our programme and science team. And making sure that you're translating it and distilling it so that it's it's understood by the right audience, whether that that was the kind of policymakers at, at quite top level positions or whether that's that's, you know, Mrs Smith, who likes to donate three pounds a month. So just making sure you're you're making it fit for the right audience. Yeah. Uh, so really amazing kind of learning uh, experience.
0: Yeah. And is that is did you have the love of photography before you started that or is that where it came from? And did you have more of a, a, an opportunity to play with film and, f- and photography while you were there? Um, a bit of both. I'd always had a bit of an interest. I'd done a couple of
1: courses here and there back in the old days when you still had film and developed it and and things like that. But I couldn't I wouldn't t- say that I was proficient at it. But certainly by being in the right place at the right time and getting chucked in the deep end a few times, I started to kind of pick up a few things and. For me personally, I think there's still a lot more room to grow. I still feel that the technology is advancing all the time. It's quite complex, you know, video and photography. I'm still learning. I don't feel feel like I've nailed it yet, but I enjoy that process.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so what's what's your favourite thing to to film? Is it is it still wildlife and na- natural stuff that you like to film?
1: Um, they always say don't work with children you know don't work with children and animals and I found
0: myself with both
1: I did I really enjoyed the filming uh for the charity and 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 filming wildlife or 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 even just you know domestic animals dogs and things like that um I think there's a real satisfaction of knowing that you've captured something I was once filming a It's really sad, actually, a tiger that was in captivity in Thailand and it was chained and most likely drugged. And I remember as awful as that scene was, knowing I'd got the footage that I could take back to the charity and it would actually have some value. We'd be able to communicate about how awful this thing is that's going on and this is what it looks like and raise money from it there's a real kind of job satisfaction that sounds a bit twisted because it's such an awful thing, but you've, you know, you've done, you know, I came away from that thinking I I've, I've done what I needed to do. I've, I've captured it. Yeah. Then I, then I hand that over and then it became more powerful. Um, so that, that will always stay with me as you know, for a long period of time, that's what I did now. I think it's, it's, it's different. I've evolved and I'm working a lot more with people and small business owners. And I think there's a new satisfaction in, in, helping people communicate helping people seem be more visible helping people overcome their fear of being filmed um and and actually you know when you have a happy client when you do a job for them and they're they're really appreciative it's because it's so small you know you're working with small businesses you can really see that you've made a, an impact so
0: yeah yeah i mean there's, there's a lot of that impact thing in, in photography, isn't there? I mean, this is journalistic, just documenting what you see in front of your eyes. It's just incredible. So you were obviously sent away to, to film quite a lot. Not not regularly, not regularly, but about once a year, I'd get a sort of big
1: trip Um, I mean I used to be so jealous of my colleagues in the early days when they'd go off to all these glamorous places and they'd they'd really just end up staying in a kind of air-conditioned room for three days having a meeting (laughs) and when it was sort of finally my turn to go you know I got really great field trips so I never had to do air con and board meetings I'd be sort of out I did homestays in in the South Pacific I would visit ranches in Colombia and dog vaccination programs in Sierra Leone so I you know it was absolutely my dream job, you know, the, yeah. the kind of mix of travel and the animals and the creativity and the, you know, all sort of came together. So is that where you you were drinking Umbongo in the Congo? <laughs> no, that was before actually. That was um, quite a funny mission. I found myself on or a bit of a volunteer thing where uh, I I came by, by a very long story. I came a, a, to to be in contact with a group of people who wanted to go to Africa, do a bit of research, and they really wanted to work with primates, and they just didn't have a primatologist. And as it happened, my brother introduced me to them. Not long after I'd qualified, after I'd got my my master's, so I ended up with them, and we went. I think we went to Uganda the Congo and Kenya and somebody of the group had managed to track down umbongo, which I don't think has been seen in the supermarkets for quite a while. And I don't know how she, she sort of got it out there and, and kept it very quiet until we got to the Congo. And then she just produced this sort of, you know, a few, a few of those little boxes, little cartons for anyone that doesn't remember. It was a juice drink um, yeah. probably in the nineties. And then we drank
0: umbongo in the Congo, which was... Very as silly as it sounds, very silly. Yeah. Yeah. So, how long did you do that job for? That it sounds like an amazing, amazing job to have. The the kind of the with the charity. Yeah.
1: So I ended up spending ten years with them because I really, you know, I started off so green and really cut my teeth with them. Not not just with the film and photography, but also just what it takes to run a global charity and all the sort of different elements and how you work together and um you know there's a lot of kind of politics and red tape and all that stuff so it was really it was really sort of fascinating to learn and I remember you know I did think for a long time I'll I'll leave when I'm not learning anymore and actually even when I did leave I I, you know there was more to give um but it was just my circumstances had changed and life had relocated to Dorset and commuting and all that that stuff
0: so yeah so so once you'd moved out did you is that when you started grub or was there a bit of a were you doing something else
1: i think for a while i just grub was a little bit of a side hustle it didn't even really have a name it didn't have a it certainly didn't have a strategy um and i and i just sort of explored a few bits and bobs while i was temping and actually just really appreciated being still for for the first time in a few years having commuted I'd also fairly recently lost my mum so it was nice just to kind of decompress a bit and not be dashing around the country and not be um you know and just yeah just sort of enjoy the simple life for a moment in time Uh, and slow things right down and then after about a year or so of that then i sort of was able to start grub a bit more earnestly and and give it a bit more of the time and attention that it needs when you're starting a business
0: yeah Yeah. so in that time out did you use photography as a as a sort of a an outlet a creative outlet sort of for for well-being or i'm not sure i did actually i think in some ways i i
1: don't know if anyone else would sort of resonate with this but i think sometimes that you just need to step away uh, for from things for a bit, and just you know, have to have that moment to decompress and and sort of think about um something else or not think about anything really. Yeah. I, think I needed a period in, in my time when I just needed to not really be thinking about anything and coordinating anything. and there was a time when I was sort of living in in Dorset, commuting up to London for work, trying to get to Guernsey while my mum was poorly and and just that sort of um constant flow just was you know, I just needed to not not think about anything for a little bit
0: yeah yeah and so once once grub started was it specifically to work with small businesses how did how did you sort of niche down as to uh, to what you to what you are now doing with grub how did that come about
1: i think just all very organically i don't know if i you know i was very naive about what it took to start a business i mean like you know well hopefully I've got some kindred spirits out there but oh, yeah. <laughs> <Hello>. <laughs> you know you think okay well I, I know how to operate this camera and I know how to edit footage with this software I'll start a business and you know have absolutely zero clue about um, you know managing your money thinking of strategy being you know having a marketing plan so just sort of jumped in with with you know and then as you, you know you learn as you go along and you figure out what's right for you and where's your comfort zone and then how you grow and push yourself out of that comfort zone yeah. so I think it just yeah all fairly sort of organically came together that I ended up working with um, small businesses and I think to be honest coming from the charity background um, where you learn how to do everything on a shoestring you know, we had one piece of really good kit and you sometimes had to fight over it. Who needed it? Where were you going with it? Can I borrow it after you? You you know, on a shoot, it was really very limited crew. I might hire somebody local. I might do a little bit of filming at the same time. Um, I think only on one shoot did I, did we have a a sound person, you know, so I I came at it from quite a frugal background. So the idea of then going pitching to big organizations who were wanting kind of agency style, glossy production, that just wasn't my, my bag. And that's not what what I was really offering. And I I seem to suit um, the smaller businesses, those that are starting out, those that have got a sort of more limited budget, those that are intimidated by video as well don't want you turning up with blinding lights and all the kind of kit and caboodles so I, th- I suppose it was a sort of natural process.
0: Yeah I mean there's something quite creative isn't there about sort of pulling all those things together I mean I, you know p- people have the thing about creativity being about drawing and painting but a- actually it's just about problem solving and and finding solutions to those problems so if you as you say if you've got to go to the other side of the world and take this equipment with you and you've got to hire people and get people in you've got to set up shops and things like that that's that's something quite creative and then to bring that into the small business arena as well and running your own business did you find sort of a synergy in that
1: yeah I, yeah i agree I, I think i think you're absolutely right i think for me uh working sort of under pressure And and I mean, and, you know, quite sort of limited pressure, but, but the sort of, you know, you've got time constraints, you've got money constraints, things like that. I think for me, because I'm definitely no artist, you know, and um, I think for me, creativity means freedom, and and freedom to imagine and freedom to create. And I think, even actually, we used to sort of complain sometimes when you work for an organisation, you work under or within a brand, you feel quite hemmed in, I want to have a you know, a red line when no, all the lines are blue or, or whatever your kind of fonts. And, but actually the possibilities are so endless. It's quite nice to, to to challenge yourself and go, how can I be creative within this brand? How can I push it a little bit? How can I take it right up to the to the line? Um, so, yeah, I think there is something quite enjoyable about now working with with a few different people and their different brands and their different sort of tones of voice and and what they're trying to communicate. So um yeah I enjoy sorry back to your point I, I really like the problem solving I like that thinking on your feet and how are we are going to make this work and something broke and what how are we going to fix it and we forgot something um how can we improvise yeah I think that's quite fun and I feel like I kind of really come alive in those moments um and I've got lots of lovely memories you know having done that in the field in the past but but you know nowadays it's just slightly more small scale.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you were saying that obviously people that come to you some some are are quite intimidated by the equipment. And do you think do you think that that people don't, um, don't enjoy being in front of uh, in front of a camera and that you, you know, you have to really kind of coddle them into coming out of their shell? Because there's something, isn't there? I don't know. I mean, obviously, with the work that I do with people around their voices and showing up and presenting themselves, whether it's on camera or on a stage or whatever, it is that kind of needing permission to be able to actually open their mouths and, and speak or just show up. Have you had yeah. That? yeah, I mean, I,
1: I suspect there are a lot of people that that don't even come to me because the idea of being anything to do with video is so horribly off-putting and and those that do more often than not do need that little bit of coaxing and we all have those moments and it's perfectly normal and somebody could be talking eloquently and and comfortably about something about their subject area and then as soon as you sort of put a lens in the way (laughs) they they tense up and become very self-conscious so I suppose it's about trying to encourage them through that and um and help people sort of get you know get over that a little bit I think you know um even sometimes just the smartphone makes people clam up and they're not you know they're not comfortable even filming themselves a short clip so yeah it's definitely working with people
0: yeah so so yeah because I have that same similar problem as well it's just trying to get people to make that first step is just to to do it, just play with, with the camera, play with your speech, play you know, with whatever it is that you've got, just get used to doing it. So how do you encourage them? What's, what's your, your tip? <laughs> Give me some tips, to, how, can, how can I help other people?
1: I think, um, in my experience, quite a lot of people are real perfectionists and they don't want to go on camera until everything is right. And nothing will ever always, you know, not everything will always be right. So I think it can be it can be for physical reasons, like we've come out of lockdown. I haven't had my hair done yet. Or um, no, I don't. I was going to buy a new tripod. I was going to upgrade my phone. So it, it can be, you know, or it can be I don't I don't know what my business strategy is yet. So people really put a lot of blocks in their way and worry as well about how they come across on camera whether they stumble, whether they say amana, um, uh, whether they, and I, you know, I always say, first of all, just forget about being perfect. Just let, just, you have to get over that and you have to let that go. And I, you know, I say to people, I want you to be able to, like you say, practice, just keep having a go. The, the more you do, the better you get. And you want to kind of be looking back at your early videos and cringing because they're a bit naff and you've come along so far, but we've got to start somewhere to improve. Um, and You know, I say to people, if you walked into a room and introduced yourself and made a mistake, you wouldn't walk back out and come in and have take, you know, it doesn't work like that in real life. So sometimes you just got to accept, take a few takes, of course, when you're filming, and that's the beauty of digital, is it, you know, on your phone you can record six takes if you like, but at some point you've just got to accept, you know what? This is what I look like, this is what I sound like, and this is what I've got to say. And as long as my main message is is out there, we move on. And, and post it, get on with it, get it out there and then improve the thing. The thing that people struggle with as well is reviewing their own material. And that's something I really do try and encourage because you won't improve and you won't learn if you can't even look back, even if it's a bit cringy, but just go, oh, OK, I noticed that actually I don't make eye contact at all with the camera or I stumbled over that. Why do I struggle with that particular explanation or whatever it is so I do try and encourage people to review their material yes and see
0: what they can learn I I do the same thing you know if they can if I can record anything anything we're doing on zoom certainly if I can record it and send it over to them that they can they can have a look at I think that's that is really really useful And but I I am the world's I I am my own worst enemy in lots of ways and I I don't know about you how how are you on camera do you enjoy it (laughs) um no i've i've definitely
1: had my my moments where i feel a bit uncomfortable the beauty is i can do it on my own and uh, there might not be a witness no i definitely i've definitely had moments i think it's part again it's just practice practice so when i've worked with other photographers other videographers as i have over the years more often than not you'll have to stand you know in front of the lens while they're setting up and they're testing the light and they're testing the audio and you get used to just being a sort of bod on camera and making sure that, you know, cause that's just sort of helpful helping people set up. And again, just over time you get used to it. And since I've been running Grub Productions and just getting in the habit of talking to my my mobile phone and posting that stuff out again, just the more you do it, the easier it is. And I think I've got to, like you, we've got to sort of demonstrate uh, that, that you can do it and you can get over it. So yeah, you've got to, yeah, I've got to put my money where my mouth is.
0: <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, no, because it, it occurred to me actually, now, now obviously we are on Zoom and have been on Zoom for the last year, um, that I, uh, when I was acting, obviously I come from an, an acting background, I didn't do lots and lots of acting, but you never see yourself when you're on stage. Mm-hmm. So you walk onto a stage, you do a performance, from anything else you're playing somebody else and then you walk off and you you never see what you looked like you never you don't listen to your own voice from outside um so to then be on zoom all the time when you're you know you've got you've got an image of yourself there that you're looking at uh and you know i'm the worst worst for looking at the camera Mm -hmm. i am naturally drawn to the person i'm talking to which is very difficult uh so what what do you um how, how do you coax people on Zoom to actually look in the correct place and, and you know, in the kind of the Zoom thumbnail that they have, how do, how do they sort of present themselves? Well, I think Zoom has actually done a lot of us a lot of favors because
1: A, it helped us get to grips with new technology and B, it did get us used to the idea that we're on camera and, you know, deal with it. Um, I think there's, you know, there's obviously a few, a few tricks you can do here and there. Uh, you can actually switch your own re- reflection off, your video off. Because also when I film, if I use my smartphone to film, I try not to film in selfie mode. Because a bit like you, you get so distracted with your own odd reflection. Uh, so what I have, uh, if I'm just filming, is I have a little look arrow to point at the little lens so that I remember to make eye contact with it so post-it notes is probably one of
0: my biggest tips but it's it's so unnatural isn't it to sort of you know be looking at a camera when you're actually talking to a person it doesn't you know and I think that is the problem that people have the other the other um, thing that I get quite a lot from people is that they when they're looking at a lens they're not sure Who's behind it kind of thing if they're doing lives specifically now you know within lockdown we've lots of people have turned to facebook live youtube Mm. lives um and actually not knowing who's watching you i think it can be quite intimidating Mm. for some people
1: i find that quite liberating actually I, i don't know yeah that's interesting i find that quite quite good i don't know who you know that's one of the tips i do say to people when you're recording is don't imagine all the people that might watch it just just imagine one friend of yours who is not in your industry so you are avoiding jargon and you're just having quite a a relaxed and comfortable conversation a natural conversation with a friend of yours so I actually try not to imagine who's out there watching it and I find that easier I mean I have spoken in live rooms before and I think that I miss the days when you could see somebody's body language, you could see and interpret somebody's sort of, you know, visual cues that they were enjoying something or not enjoying something. And I think that that can in of itself be quite off-putting or intimidating. But for me, I find that quite sort of, it it feeds the energy for me as I'm going along. And, And that transition when I started doing presentations and workshops over Zoom and you're getting nothing, you might even have a blank screen uh, is was brutal for me at first. I, I didn't enjoy that initially. Now I think I'm again just practice, just getting more used to it.
0: Yeah. Um, so how have how has your work changed then in lockdown? How have you managed to do your work over the last year? So I think
1: I suppose in some ways, you know, Grub Grub Productions was still quite a new business when we went into lockdown. So it was quite easy to make alterations and adaptations because it wasn't sort of long established in a certain way. And like a lot of people, you know, you just look at the pandemic and go, okay, what's working, what's not working, I'll lean into that. So in some ways it did me a favor. I was able to upscale my, I do smartphone workshops. I was able to deliver those to more people at once online, you know, didn't have to travel, um, could deliver that to kind of more than one person at once. I started doing group workshops. Um, far less obviously filming in person, I, I can probably count on one hand the number of times I've managed to do it over the last year, but editing a lot of remote projects are so lots of people that are filming themselves, so people that are doing it either via Zoom or via their smartphone, and then they're sending me the footage and I'm able to package that up for them. So, you know, initially I just thought, oh, well, this is awful. I'm not going to, I'll never work again, you know, my business will have closed before it even began. But actually, I've been amazed at the at the ways I have been able to do a bit of work. Perhaps not my most creative work. Perhaps not my most um, challenging work. And I slightly miss the the filming side of things yeah. and worrying about being a bit too comfortable without it. And being, you know, the next time I go out, being sort of more nervous than yeah. uh, than usual because I feel quite rusty now.
0: Yes. No. I think I don't think you're the only one. I think lots of people are. You know. Now we're all beginning to venture out again. It's it is sort of slightly. I'm a bit wary of going into spaces uh, but hopefully I mean I know that the, you know the bigger film industry is is getting back out there and they are filming stuff so yeah hopefully it won't be long before it kind of gets back to some kind of normality so creatively then how how do you uh, service your own sort of well-being and your own need to be creative what do you do for for fun creatively I, I enjoy I mean, my surroundings are
1: so beautiful and such an inspiration. And, and actually, I've just been home to Guernsey and spent a few months there as well. So I do find that really sort of feeds my my soul, the the, the views, the vistas, the walks, um, you know, being surrounded by the kind of lush green, the the sort of British countrysides, swimming in the sea. Um, I've done a tiny, tiny bit of winter swimming, wild swimming. Um, so, I do, you know, I enjoy that as a bit of a kind of cathartic release. Um, and I just, yeah, I really enjoy sort of being around friends and family, even if it's over Zoom. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Uh, and just being out and about. And I suppose cre- I, I'm so lucky that I get to be creative in my work day. And you know, bring, and I have a lot of clients who claim they're not creative. And I really love being able to take something dry for, for, you know, to use their terms that, that they give me and be able to sprinkle it with the creativity, with a little transition, a cut here, a bit of music, there, a graphic, you know, and just being able to give them back something that, that they're kind of delighted with. That's, that's really lovely. So I suppose I'm so lucky I get to fulfill that in my, in my working life. Um, that I'm not sort of desperate, desperate for it uh, in my free time.
0: Yeah. Have, do you think in lockdown, people people obviously are getting more used to using, as you say, using the technology that we've sort of all been forced into using. But mm. do you think people now um, are sort of getting more used to walking around with their phones and and how how can they use their smartphones to actually... Um, enhance what it is that they're doing for their for their business
1: well I mean number one yeah they've got you've got at your fingertips an amazing device that's really capable of quite a lot so so get to know it get you know figure out what every button does in your kind of camera apps in your photo apps in your editing apps um you know there's there's I you know, I just say to people, when you're when you're sat watching the TV and something you're half paying attention to something, you know, go into edit a photo, press every button, slide every slider and see what it does. And it may, you know, our phones actually are capable of so much. They've got quite a lot of functionality. It may be that you decide, oh, I don't really like that effect, I don't like what it's doing. That's fine, but at least know what it does. And I think there's quite a lot of seduction to buy more kit, get, you know, pay for apps. First of all, just see what your camera and photo app within the phone can do and what you can do with it. And I think you're right. People have just exploded in the last couple of years. And I think lockdown taken it to another level. The kind of creativity that you're seeing online on social media is phenomenal. It's absolutely amazing. And so much of it is created by your smartphone. So if that intimidates you, then, you know, forget it. And just focus on what you can do for your business, what it, you know, the very sort of simple bare essentials, such as get yourself a tripod, set your phone up and just start talking to it. Or for those that are just really cannot bear the thought of going on camera, get behind the camera, you know, take the camera around and narrate something. This is my workspace. This is where I work. This is where I speak to clients. This is the table where I treat my clients, you know, whatever it is that they do. This is the view out of my window. This this is the flower I've been growing and you know nurturing for ages. So narrate and get used to just being, get used to creating, even if it's not your finest piece of work, even, you know, and that's the beauty as well of smartphone and digital is just keep creating. You can always look at it later and say, okay, I'm no, not gonna post that and delete it. But if you don't capture it, you've got nothing to work with. So get out, get to know your phone and just get out there and capture everything all the time.
0: Yeah. Brilliant! I love that, and I, you know, that that's I, I hadn't even really thought about standing behind the camera and doing doing it from that way. It, you know people do get so intimidated being in front of the camera, but as you say, being behind it and and playing, you know, playing it being a, a filmmaker is is perfect, isn't it? And my phone is absolutely chock a block. I went through the other night all the videos that I've <laughs> I've attempted, and I would say probably eighty percent of what I've I've got on my phone now of videos of me trying to promote my own business using using my smartphone. And um, I didn't use I haven't I haven't posted, but actually looking back at them, they were they would never as bad as I imagined they were. Yeah. and so you know looking back at them now i think oh i should have posted that why didn't i and there's just something that kind of stops us and i think you're absolutely right i think it is that perfectionism and i think we are we're all so concerned that we need to be that perfect that uh, it blocks us from from just playing you know and i think that's also the
1: thing with social media and, and a lot of our businesses do rely on new social media there's a sort of momentum and you know, if you don't go with it, you get stuck. And, and like you say, you look back, and there's a whole lot of stuff you never posted, and it feels like the moment's passed. And yeah, and weather was different, so I was wearing winter clothes, and now it's spring, and everyone will know. And it kind of it, your stuff can feel quite dated quite quickly, but that's actually not the case. So I would, you know, that's very familiar to hear that there's you know there's stacks of stuff sitting in your camera roll. I would say to people, you know, go back and review it, and if you can use it, you know, post it. And if you're never going to post it, delete it. Just get rid of it because it starts to clog your phone up, but it starts to really clog up here where you just think, you know, I, I filmed something a couple of days ago. I'd love to go and 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 dig it out and have a have a review. And then suddenly it's buried under all the kind of hundreds more things you've done and filmed on top of it since then. And it becomes a real chore. When you think you know I just can't be bothered to go back and review I can't be able to go and find it. So keep on top of your own content, regularly review it, edit it, delete it, put it save it in folders that relate to different projects or different social media platforms so that you make your own life easier. Yeah. Um to kind of you know work with that material and just if you shot it, there was a reason you shot it, it's probably useful.
0: Yeah. It out there.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean it was one of the things when we very first went into lockdown, I t- I it was one of the things that I was going to do. Definitely, I had to learn how to edit, um, and I think maybe because I've I've always sort of liked films and making films, and obviously putting stuff together on a stage, I was found very easy. I was trying to then transfer it into film. So lockdown for me was a really good opportunity to think, right? Well, I'm going to I'm going to start trying that. Um, so I use iMovie because it's on my phone, mm. and it's amazingly simple. I mean, it's so simple, and yet it is so effective. Yeah. Um, so I just went onto YouTube and found some tutorial. You know, sat and watched a half an hour tutorial on how to use iMovie. And just...
1: there are there are loads of uh, of videos out there. There's loads of apps out there. I use InShot um, quite a lot, and particularly for beginners. The other thing as well is don't you know don't don't be don't underestimate the power of actually just trimming a video. So you know that bit where you start recording and you can see someone as they sort of reach out to press the button to press start and they sit back and they sort of do this you know even if you just trim those few seconds off and at the very end of the video that's an edit yeah you know tada that's done and sometimes video doesn't need to be more complicated than just trimming the beginning and the end it doesn't need all the bells and whistles all the time so if you're new to video you know don't let that stop you you don't all have to become mini editors Uh, you know just learning the very very basics can get you started but yes you will see what what simple a few edits here and there and a few little tricks can actually really do to kind of um pep up a video
0: yeah
1: Uh, so yeah i mean obviously i'm with you i find it really fun and fascinating
0: um
1: And, and as such, I run a couple of workshops: so one on filming and one on editing, to help people like, you know, like yourself, who haven't done it before, but think this is a great way to be independent and to be able to still create.
0: Yeah, yeah. Do you think uh, you can make too many videos for social media? Do you think you can be, you can be there too much? Is it? I don't know, actually. I mean, I I'm
1: definitely not a social media expert. As I think you can, you can probably tell from my social media, I'm so busy creating content for everyone else that I'm, I'm, um, not very re- reliable about creating it for myself. Um, it it would appear that that would not be the case. You know, some some people out there are just creating content all day long. I don't know how they have time for anything else. Um, and I suppose for a lot of people that that is their job. That is their kind of bread and butter now is to be an influencer and people are creating sort of really fun short pieces I think with things like TikTok and reels on Instagram um you know these short little bite-sized video clips It doesn't seem like you can you can make too many and I think you know there's this constant reinforcement that not everybody is seeing all your content you know and unless they're doing a real deep dive into your profile it's unlikely they'll see everything that you do so could be creating and 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 only a small portion of your audience will see your message so I mean for me for me personally to be strategic with video I think your video this is for your business I think your your video needs to have a, a goal you know what's the what's the call to action what is it that you're trying to achieve with your video what are you trying to show what are you trying to say so I wouldn't advise my clients to create video for video's sake because it is time consuming it does take a lot of work it does take a lot of thinking space and planning and and that kind of brainstorming and the editing and all that you know writing the post that goes with it so if you're not just creating sort of fun tiktoks for you know you know then then actually what's your strategy so save the time that you would pour into making a video if you don't know what your video is trying to achieve
0: yeah yeah, absolutely. There's got to, got to be a reason behind it. Absolutely. Um, so what's, what's coming up next for, for Grub Productions? What what are you, what do you, you know, tell me what you're most looking forward to coming out of lockdown actually? I mean, I know uh, you, you were quite a dancer. I mean, I certainly over the last, I don't know if it's just, I mean, I love dancing anyway, but yeah, somebody said uh, in a networking thing I was on, what would, what would you be doing what would be your um, dog chasing a ball moment what would be that moment for you that just you kind of just lose it just playing and for me it is the dance floor so is it is it the same for you
1: yes yeah oh gosh i miss the dance floor um so i my tap classes will resume which will be great fun so i used to do loads and loads of dancing when i was when i was a kid sort of from the age of about 3 and um not being sort of faux humble I, I wasn't brilliant at it but I just really really enjoyed it um, and I'm not capable of kind of playing music I, I, I people had to suffer through my piano scales for many years but but I really feel music and I really um, enjoy dancing to music and I find music really evo- almost too evocative sometimes and um, and so for me like dancing is just such joy so I did a load of it when I was a kid and um, and used to do kind of ballet and and to do dance festivals and I went to dance camp in the summer and really really loved it and what's lovely as an adult is it's quite easy to pick up adult classes here and there Um, and I've often found um adult ballet classes quite easily but but tap is a bit rarer and actually a, a lady moved to Purbeck about last year or the year before and started tap classes in my village. So I can just trot down the road with my tap shoes, which are so old, they're falling apart. And it just brings me so much joy. And I I sort of feel like I'm 16 again and just have, you know, I can't, my body doesn't do what it used to be able to do and I'm horribly unfit and very rusty. And I think the styles really changed. She said, there's been a real American style influence. Um, so I'm more, I'm still a bit like upright and stiff, and she's trying to teach us all how to, to kind of relax. So I just love it. So I'm really looking forward to to the tap classes kind of resuming. I think from from next week.
0: Yeah. Oh, that, that takes me back. I used to do tap up, up until I was about six, I think. I can remember my mum and dad taking a chest of drawers apart, and I I used to tap on the. I, the top whatever was left of this chest of drawers and that was on the floor and i used to just practice my tap dancing on this on this board basically
1: yeah i was always sort of tapping around the kitchen and um, i still do it now actually especially when my husband's not around <laughs> tapped up. i think for me that that was that was that's sort of i suppose actually a bit of a creative outlet that i don't even think about is when i when i hear a piece of music i visualize dance steps and in my head, I'm a much better dancer than I am in real life. So in my head, I'm doing all sorts of moves that I know I'm not capable of. But, but that's that's always been a sort of um, just having that imagination to be, uh, to sort of be totally free with the music and yeah, be creative. So yeah, I've really I've missed my tap classes, and I'm yeah. looking forward to. Yeah,
0: no, there's there's definitely something about that kind of uh, the the self expression. Just you know that kind of just allowing the music to kind of take over and you get that get that flow going where you know time sort of stands still really.
1: Yeah and I think for me it was a real that's probably where I learned a lot in the very early days I mean a lot of people I speak to have real horror stories about dance schools when they were little and being told mean things but we just had the loveliest teachers and and I never you know never had any issues with body confidence or things like that and just being being encouraged to use your imagination and you today you're a flower today you're a fairy today you're in the woods you know and and having that little outlet, I suppose for me it was the closest to theatre. I, I I did a couple of school plays, but never, you know, for me it was always through through dancing. And whenever we had a festival, I always got the kind of character dances. So I was a fisherman, a drunk gambler. <laughs> uh, you know, I always and I'd look at all my friends in their pretty dresses and tutus. And and never, you know, mine was always a sort of a costume and a character. And I remember when I was about 16. I was finally just, you know, they said, what would you like to do? And I said, I'd just like to wear a tutu.
0: has <laughs> <laughs> got be a
1: dress. <laughs> yeah, I just want to wear a girly outfit. And I mean, I did rubbish, you know, but I really enjoyed it. And, but yeah, definitely the character and exploring character and being, um, being sort of set loose to do that and not yeah. feeling, you know, self conscious
0: about it because it's just the world that you, that you were in, I suppose.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, kind of. I bang on about playing as an adult. All the time, because to me, it you know we we stop playing. You know we have that freedom, and I was talking to one of my other podcast guests. Tom that was out this week. Uh, he had he he said the thing that um, as a child we explore. We use our brains to explore, but as an adult, it, we use our brains to exploit. And there's that kind of transition from being a child where you're just exploring and you're curious and you're, and you're playing, mm. uh, which is how we learn, basically. Uh, once you get to adulthood, we kind of stop doing that. And I mean, it's fantastic that you're still continuing doing tap and doing the things that you loved as a child, because we need to bring more of that into our adult lives. And I think, I think people would feel um, more comfortable in front of a camera or on a stage speaking, if they could play more, because it's not about perfection. It's not, you know, it's about making it up as you go along. It's about falling over, failing, and then getting up and and starting all over again, so, yeah.
1: Yeah, and just being you and being authentic. And I think that's something perhaps people struggle with, is this idea that I've got to be the best version of me. I've got to be on form, on top of my game, on this video, and actually, that's not necessarily who we are all the time. Mm. You know, we do we do make mistakes. We do get things wrong, and like you say, we just got to pick up and, and carry on. So I think filming doesn't need to be as intimidating as it as it appears to be. It's just capturing who you are, yeah, um, so that you can communicate.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's that's exactly going back to you know you, you capturing that moment with that tiger. It is, it is that moment in time, but if, if you don't capture it, it's gone, you know, mm. we, we can't kind of store everything in our memories. You know, it's great to have those things. And as I say, looking back at the videos and the, and the images of myself over the last year, I've been quite pleased at what I've looked at. And I do wish that I'd actually posted a few more because, you know, I, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I don't always, um I don't, I preach, I don't do, oh, so I always practice what you preach that's the one <laughs> don't always practice what i preach um, so yes we are coming out of lockdown where is grub productions going from here so what is what is up next and um, cuz you're working with small businesses are you going will you be continuing Yes, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to hopefully a few more filming
1: projects kind of coming back back onto the the calendar as, as people. Although I could be filming, I think a lot of people don't want us in their kind of workspace, um, or or want to have that kind of proximity at the moment. So I'd love to get back out and do some filming. I've got a really nice collaboration with um food a food works coming up in the summer where I'm doing a sort of four part series, uh, which is all about food video food styling food photography with smartphones so that's really fun that's a new challenge to kind of set my teeth into and I'll just keep running my video smartphone workshops as well um getting people who are you know completely brand new to video who haven't done any getting them to the point where they feel comfortable to to film for their businesses and and get out there with their messaging so um yeah just not not being you know restricted by by the lockdown will just be so lovely
0: and refreshing, yeah. won't it? We'll all rush yeah. out. Then. Yeah, it will. Can't wait. So if if people want to get in touch with you and find out where they, you know, what they can do with you and how you can work together, where would they find you? I've actually put your Instagram on my board. Oh, yes, it's Grub Productions. <laughs> oh, I looked up and it's said well,
1: I, Grub Pro. That might be someone else. <laughs> <gasps> oh, ignore that ignore that just, <laughs> I'll just just add on ductions yeah. so yeah gr- uh, at grub productions on facebook and instagram and my email address is georgina at GrubProductions.co.uk. so feel free to get in touch if you are looking for video strategy smartphone training filming editing any of the above
0: marvellous oh i might have to get you around do some do some filming Put me out there. See, that's what I need. I'm 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 okay in front of a camera. I just need somebody to do all the all the bits. So yeah, we might also, have. A there is a lot to think about. So yeah, I think it, I think sort of having an extra pair of hands there really helps,
1: even if you know what you're doing. Just yeah, and also someone just to gently go right. Let's stop procrastinating.
0: Let's do it. Let's get on with it. Yes. Well, brilliant. Thank you so much for for joining me today, Georgina. It's been amazing to talk to you. Lovely, lovely, lovely to talk to you and I love your background as well. It's very, mine's a bit busy. Is, is that something else you have to talk to people about what's in their backgrounds? Yes, I do actually, and, and just
1: say, well, number one, is it sort of, um, does it have the same me- message? So if you are a, a health nutrition expert and you've got sweet wrappers and Coke cans in the background, you know, does it contradict your message but also just, is it a bit, a bit busy or, or off-putting? But mine's always changing. I don't know if you're like that, like, you know, the plant will appear in a different place.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's
1: because I'm always moving things around all the time.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, I kind of tried to keep it the same for the podcast so that it kind of, you know, there's the name and the board and so people kind of yeah. get to get to recognise it. But yeah, it is looking a bit um, compared to your nice white space. It's looking a bit, <laughs> a bit shabby chic, should we say. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I'll, I'll let you go. And uh, thank you so much for your time. And I'll, uh, I'll speak to you very soon. You You're want- welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, then please like or share. If you'd like to receive information on future guests or would like to know more about Power to Speak, then sign up for our newsletter at www powertospeak.co.uk. I look forward to seeing you next time.